Welcome back to the next part of this Truth and Rhythm episode. Be sure to subscribe to this channel. If you've already done so, please share it with friends. Also become a member by joining Truth and Rhythm on Patreon or consider donating at funkinstuff.net. Thank you so much for your interest and support. Enjoy. Hey, before we get started with today's show, I just want to draw your attention to new merchandise. Funkin' Stuff and Truth and Rhythm designs are in, and they look pretty darn cool. So show your support, help support the program, and show off some stylish merchandise and apparel. Only at the Funkin' Stuff store. Um, and in the late... 60s you guys uh, went off on your own and uh launched invictus and hot wax right Were, was that a a simultaneous thing or was one before the other or? one thing led to another led to another led to another so we ended i ended up really getting into a fight with motown which i really don't want to go involved i don't really want to get that deep into it i, I got into me i got involved it is very, very detailed, very technical, and involved. Okay, situation with Motown. That one thing, as they said, led to another. And what that another was is that Capitol Records approached me. Capitol Records approached me. Say, well, I hear there's a problem with Motown, blah, 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 blah. And it's a long, drawn out thing. And I ended up making a deal with Capitol Records. Myself, not Brian, not Lamont. I end up doing it based on my ability as an AR person. And sitting back fighting with Motown, I'm a kind of guy, my mind has to be active, strongly active. So, what I did, I said, you know what? If I'm not going to be here, I'm going to plan. It's almost like an imaginary trip. So, I started doing, making certain moves, doing certain things. Keeping my mind active because at that time I was not active with Motown. But basically, under the bottom line, I really had no full intentions of leaving. I didn't ever, I didn't really believe it would come to that. But one thing led to another. It's like it, it, it is, it's like Barney Ailes, the salesperson of Motown, said it was a situation, man, where Muhammad wouldn't come to the mountain and the mountain wouldn't come to Muhammad. So you all just end up gradually letting friction you further and further apart. So then I end up being in a situation where I had this product and was dealing with this product, but quite finished, nothing like that. But the fact of the matter is, and I had to do something with it eventually. So when Capitol Records called me, 
said they wanted to make a deal with, I made a deal with them. That's just that simple. I, well, it ain't that simple, but that's what happened. You know, I uh, have a sort of a rare album here from Invictus, which is the uh, Osmium first pressing for Parliament. Uh, wanted to share and. I, I did want to ask you uh, in this interview about George Clinton, because um, you talked about so many people were interested in Motown. There were a lot of people that came through Motown that didn't hit as big as most of the people that everyone knows. Like, I know the Isley brothers came through there and George Clinton came through there and things like that. Um, is there anything you could share related to, um, you know, George Clinton, your interactions with him at, at that time? Well, I don't know if George Clinton wanted to be with Motown. George Clinton was with the uh, another label. I can't think of Bridgeport or whatever. I can't remember now. George Clinton got with me after I had left. And, and, and because of a person like Jeffrey Bowen, was a person who had rounded up a lot of singers and was that uh, had talked George Clinton into coming with me, chairman of Bowen. Uh, that was that guy was founded uh, uh, Jeffrey Bowen. Also, the Honeycombs that was that was founded by Bear. See, basically, Jeffrey Bowen was the one that got all those groups. He got them because I wanted. He got them because I needed. And so one thing led to another. Capitol Records signed the deal. Boom, boom, boom. Put out the records, and the records for the most part were hits. Frida Payne's, all that stuff. Yeah. So how how did your life change in terms of, you know, your your songwriting and what you were doing actively, you know, related to those artists or just music in general? Didn't change. How did, it, didn't, wouldn't, it, didn't, it didn't change. How could it change? I mean, it didn't it didn't nothing changed. My life it, it is what it is. I I don't know how to explain. See, I function differently. See, if you look at me like a like an average graded person, how I function, you you you're going to misread me because I don't function like an average creative person. I'm a I'm a first of all I'm a kind of an individual. I, I I'm, I'm a I like business, which is what I prefer. I'm a litigious individual. If I believe in something, I will fight. I will go. I will do whatever I have to do. I, I just don't function like that. And yet and still, I can get creative people and I can set them up and I can tell them, I can look at their product and say what's wrong, correct this, correct this, correct that. I mean, I can do I can do all of the things. I'm an A&R type person. So, that, you know, I don't know, I don't know how to explain it to you any other way than that. It, it doesn't change my life. It's all part of my life. It's another facet of my life. Yeah. What, why did uh, Invictus and Hot Wax and that sort of come to a close, that chapter? Simple, simple, because Capitol Records was made a deal that they did not know was as involved. That Capitol Records was not set up for A&R, I mean, black product. They were not. The record sold, for instance, Free to Play's record sold a million and a half. They, they, it, was, it took all that took them off guard. It's moved faster than they wanted to do, than they thought it was going to move. When the chairman of the board got, got, give me just a little more time, and that was a million seller, it threw them off. They weren't prepared to deal with black product. 
I had to hire a staff that I was not supposed to have to hire to is to handle all the black product. That was a drain on the company. And so one thing led to another. And the fact of the matter is that at that time, I wanted to move to go to CBS. Capitol Records at that time said no. We understand what the problem was, Holland. We understand that and we do not want you to leave because you we have been successful with you. And you have amazed us by coming out with many, the many hit records that you've been coming out with. We say it, it took us off guard. We weren't prepared for it. Okay. What they were trying to do is fulfill a gap. They were losing the Beatles and they were losing 33%. So they wanted somebody really to bring in and, and a full of, to fill the void of that 33%, however they do. And it just didn't work out. So they, they let the president of the company go, and it was bringing in another pres a president, an Indian guy by the name of Bashkar Menon. He told me, please do not leave. I will work the company any way you want me to. I will build it up. I will, I will, we will reconstruct whatever it takes because you have shown us that you can deliver the product. This is what we need. But at this time, I wanted to get with Clyde Davis because I talked to Clyde Davis and wanted to be with Capital uh, CBS Records, which I was going to have made the deal. Clyde Davis untimely ran to a, a, a situation where what happened? He went into a, such a nasty situation with his company that they wanted him out. So it just destroyed everything. It just, it's, you know, it's coming. Yeah. I mean, it's really involved. You know. Yeah, yeah. No, you encapsulated it well. I appreciate that, uh, Eddie. Um, and you guys, though, did go back and do some work with Motown Acts later in the 70s. Um, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. We, went, we went back because we, you know, because they had a, had a deal when they have a deal with production company. But at that time, Motown had no promotion at all. Bonnie Ellis had left. Didn't have the promotion people that they wanted to have. And they weren't prepared either, which later on, it showed that the situation that they'd gone into was, in, was, was, was negative. Because at that time, they had left their independence to go with the uh, a, a, a major company, which was not to their liking. It didn't turn out to be. And it didn't work out for them. The yeah, next, next one thing led to another. And, you know, it's, I mean, I don't like talking about it because I know it's probably offensive to Barry Gordy, and I don't want to offend him or say anything you know, offensive about it. But it just, it just it just didn't work out. It didn't work out. What was it like working with the Jacksons? It was good. It's working. It's good. Always good working with the creative people. Always, always good. Are there some other notable um, projects that you guys got involved with later in the seventies or eighties that maybe are worth uh, sharing with viewers? Mm, I don't know. I don't think so. The, the biggest project we're working on at, at this point is the project with the Four Tops who wants to start a musical that uh, Brian and I have, uh, are delivering six or seven new songs to. That is the most exciting project in the last 10 or 12 years. Yeah, yeah. we're looking forward to that. Is it, It's going to come out in 2022, you think? 
hopefully, 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 but it's going to be a very, very dynamic project. Um, very involved. Um, life story and the, the four tops and Duke for Cure is it's really a very, very interesting story. And uh, obviously, they, they are a very, very successful group that have many, many hit records. And what, what Brian and I have done is to move the, the, the theme, the storyline that, that moves plays and to, to, to captivate that in, in, in a certain song, to move that. Because that is so important to any great play. They want, when you really want to know about the person, to move the insides more than just hit records. It's about their life and, and the things that happen while they're on their road to getting where they want to go. That was, that's all good. Very much a part of it. Very much a part of their life story. So we we're working with with them and all of that. Kind of like they're, you know, to bring about a complete view of the four tops and their life story. Because mm -hmm. very interesting guys. Yeah. Um, to say the least. Luke is the only one that's still here. Most of the guys, you know, they passed on, but uh, the. Play will, will encapsulate all of that, and it'll be a, a mix of some new songs and their classics. Oh yeah, oh yeah, absolutely, absolutely. I'm thinking, I don't know, maybe it's not the right comparison, but sort of like a Jersey Boys thing of you know, for four tops. Well, the Jersey Boys is more of a jukebox music, but this is really going to be more than a jukebox. This book is going to cover a, a lot of involvement with Harry Wilson and uh, all yeah. as well as life, I mean, relationship with Cure in their yeah. early days and other. And, you know, it, it, it's going to cover a lot of a lot of interesting things. They had an interesting life, you know. But uh, let's hope it's successful as the Jersey. <laughs> yeah. uh, I think it, I believe it can be, but let's hope it does because it's Jer Jersey Boys was a very successful broadway. Very successful. I enjoyed it. I saw it a couple of times. I enjoyed it. Are there a couple of compositions, maybe up to three or so, that are just for whatever reason your 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 favorites that you've put together? A couple of what now? Of your songs. Oh, all, nice. all of our songs. Brian has all the time. Well, well I, I don't know. I mean, I got, I mean, who, who knows? I mean, like I said, they're all like children to me. I mean, kids. I mean, uh, I did fall in love with, I hear symphony more so. And then stop, I don't know. Jesus, I don't know. Stop the name of, I don't know. Quite a few of them very good, so I don't know. Well, one of my favorites is Love Is Here, Now You're Gone. Uh, that's that's one of my all time favorites, and Bernard, as well as Bernadette. But uh, you know what, 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 what Brian is, is, is probably painfully trying to say when you worked on those songs <laughs> as hard as we've worked on them and they become as successful as the way we imagine them, I'm, that's just like having a, 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 it's like having 15, 20, 30, 40 kids and say, which one do you like the most? I mean, 
It is very, very difficult. It, I, I, it really is. It's, I've been asked that obviously many, many times. And I like them all. I mean, because it, it, it just it was a, such a part of my life. And it was a part of my life's experience in many, many ways. And uh, I just, you know, and even just the Motown experience itself is a very important part of my life. That is something that uh, I, I could never replace it with anything in my life. It just, it was just an intricate part. I don't know. It just, it was just a wonderful experience. And, and, and still have it, you know. Did, did you guys ever imagine at the time back in the 60s that these songs would stand the test of time like they have? Absolutely not. As, let me tell you something, Scott, soon before you bring it up. You know what the one thing that I was trying to do while I worked so hard on the songs earlier, even though I was learning at the same time I was being successful with these songs, all I wanted to do, I said, Brian, I said, if I can write these songs well enough, <laughs> that it could be recorded and get a hit once or twice. I said, I would feel very content that I've done with my job. I had no idea that these songs would last this long or have been recorded so many times. I, I have no idea. I am, You know what? I'm amazed today. You know, so many people have come and, and talked to me, Scott, and said, well, you know what? I was doing this. When I was finishing high school, I was doing this when I was going to college, and this is my song of this. And this, I mean, and, and you affected my life, and you did this positive, and, 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 they, and they relived their lives. I've heard it so many times, and I listen patiently when they, when they tell me. And I, because the first I thought they were just talking, was I said, Are they saying this to make me a big professional, make me feel good? But they were sincere. I could tell they were sincere the way they talked about it. So, no, I'm surprised at all of this success. I'm surprised that they have lasted this long. And very grateful and very thankful, to say the least. And very feel very blessed. Really. They they are cultural, you know, touchstones is what they've become. And um they've been remade so many times. I mentioned the I intro, but are there are there any um Remakes of your songs that like stood out as like, oh man, that is another definitive version. Well, Brian loved this one by what's the Vanilla Fuzz. I love that record. I don't know if you keep hanging out. I think it was a semi free. I can't remember what it was. Not this album. Vanilla Fuzz did a great job. So was it you? Was it you? Semi free? Was that? Yeah, I think it was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When I first heard that, I said, I cannot believe how they took this And the song. Doobie Brothers doing uh, this thing, Kim Weston did. Yeah. me in your oh, my, my. <laughs> Man, those Doobie Brothers, man, those guys are good. And listen, I'm going to tell you. And also, Scott, these were supposed to man was done by four different artists. More than that. More than that, Brian. More uh, than that. Uh, all I remember four. I remember the girl in the on the brother, brother and sister. Oh, I know, yeah. They, Carpenters. Yeah. Yeah, right. No. But anyway, they, a lot of people just redid them songs over and over again. I tell you, it's really great. I like the Beatles version. Yeah, right. Of course, they did so more records. Yeah. 
Yeah, it must I can only imagine what a kick it is when you hear one of your songs by somebody that you didn't even Giant know. Rivers, was, baby, I need your love. Oh, yeah, he did a great job. He did a great job on that record. Giant Rivers and man. Sweet Baby James. It's Sweet Baby job. James, right? How sweet it is to be loved. Oh, yeah, how sweet it is. How yeah, sweet man, he just... I mean, how we, like I said, we've been very fortunate. I mean, really blessed. I mean, man. You know, I, I, I pinch myself sometimes. You know, because honestly, goodness, man, we were, we were just some young guys having a lot of fun, yeah. trying to make a living. Yeah. That's all we were doing, trying to make a living. But the one principle that we followed is what our grandmother taught us. Yeah. Whatever you do, yeah. you do it 110%. You give it all you got. And that's one thing that we always try to do, whatever we dealt with. And the same reason why I would put so many time, so many hours in songs, so many hours learning, you know, and each each time when I would do a song, I would have to spend 20 pages of 20, 30 pages sometimes writing and rewriting, trying to make it better, make it better, a little bit better. And even when Brian sometimes and Lamont would say sometimes, well, man, don't you ever finish yes? It's almost there. I would have to leave it for three days to go back and, and, and examine it again. I mean, trying to make it the best that I could make. You know, even then, I could hear, I could hear changes that I could make now. But uh, anyway, but the fact of the matter is, I think that's caused us to be fortunate enough to have the song as successful as we are. What What inspired you to uh, put the book together? Well, a minister uh, told me years ago. Now that he said, Ed, have you wrote a book? I said, no. I said, I had no intention of writing it. He said, you better. He said, write a book. He said, because if you don't, somebody will. So this was about five years, six years, seven years that passed, and then Shirley Washington kept telling me, you should do a book, you should do a book, you should do a book. And uh, she was driving me crazy, and I was driving her crazy, and I didn't really want to do it. It took me years to do that, but then, you know, through her supporting it and pushing me and making me remember things that um, I had really forgotten and didn't want to write about. And she said, you've got to write about it. It's important. You've got to write about it. And she said, your brother got to write about this thing, you know, his, his, his experience. So, so that's what brought it all about. And... You know, how do you feel once it was finished? And, you know, how do you, how do you feel of the project now? Well, I mean, say this is, is um, number one, I need to read the book again. I say that to say this. I know what it says because I lived it. And I've been putting a book together and taking years to do it. You end up wanting to go over it again to remember exactly what you said. And to most, for the most part, not that what you said was inconsistent with what the truth is, but you want to add something to it. So now I've come to the point that I'm very, very happy that I did the book. Extremely happy. Okay. But I also know that I have to update it. I have to. Because there's certain things that I left out in my haste to write it, in my um, reluctance to 
fill it out as much as I wanted to. To say it and be descriptive as I wanted to. And then so, and I've come to the conclusion that uh, I have to uh, update the book at some point in time. Who knows? Maybe five years from now, three years. Who knows? But I, I think I would like to do that. It's like but your song. It's like it. it's like your songs. You want to keep messing with absolutely, the words. Absolutely, absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. Go ahead, Brian. You were going to say something. No, 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 no. No, 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 no. no, 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 no I'm fine. He said enough for me. Okay. <laughs> Um, I understand there's one story in the book um, that a lot of people might not know unless they read it, of course, is that you were uh, kidnapped as a baby, I understand? Oh, yeah, that's something my mother told me about. I was when I was a teenager when she told me that. Um, I, I, you know, I, I didn't, I, I don't know that much about it, you know, except what I said in the book, you know. Um, Did you found out? I, I mean, I was kind of surprised, you know. And you know what? What, what that did to me, really, Scott, is this: what I what happened? I was a teenager when she first when I first started talking to her. About, but what really bothered me, even later on, when I I wouldn't, you know, what well, you know, you ever hear about? You ever, you ever, when I hear, you ever experienced things that you try to put out of your mind, put out of your mind. Uh, because it's, the more you think about it, you start getting negative things. So I started getting almost like haunted by a lady. Would have never found my mother. Would have never found me. What if that lady? And I never would have known my brother. Yeah. Never, yeah, when I, and I and I and I kept, I had a hard time trying not to think about these things. And I think what happens is that you read about so many people that are kidnapped. Ever find their past or find them 20 years later, you know. So, so I started consequently putting myself in that position, and it's a horrible feeling, it's a horrible thought, and it just sort of it sort of pulls on me, you know. And uh, if you sort of block it out, I mean, I went through all this. That's 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 nightmarish type of things, you know. You sort of you 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 want to. You want to get away from that stuff. And so I, I try not to think about it as much as I had already, which is more than I really wanted to. Because you had to cut that stuff off. What if it happened? What if this would have happened? What if the, which is all very possible. It's very possible. It's just fortunate that she did. She said, you know, she explained to me how she found me and what happened. She didn't know I was gone. It just, it just you know, so, so anyway. It's just one of those things. Wow. But that's lucky. I mean, lucky. She, she had found me with what she did. Because I think I was only gone for about a couple of days. Mm. So that was uh, lucky. Yeah, I'll say. Could, could you share with us, uh, before we uh, wrap this up, maybe one or two just unforgettable memories being in a studio at Motown, whether it was something funny that happened or maybe somebody just turned in such a great performance on one of your songs? Well, you know, it's a lot of them. But I would say to you this, you know, is that if, if I gather everything 
And I really think about it. We were sort of, you know, you have to kind of have that out-of-body experience. The only thing that pops into my mind, because I thought about this several times, you know, I'm going to tell you, not that that's not a good question, but I thought about it several times, but not for the same reason you asked me. And I could always visualize my brother in there with these musicians operating with these funk brothers in such an expert way that I was I was fascinated and like mesmerized by it. And kept asking myself, how in the hell is he doing that? <laughs> Where did he get that from? <laughs> you know what I mean? And I would think, and I would, I went on for a long period of time, you know, and, and especially the times when, 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 when I remember um, bass player um, James Jameson, which I knew before anyway. James Jameson, and he, you know, he was in, the, he was in a sort of a nasty mood, not nasty, nasty mood. But he was in a kind of a mood. Well, it wasn't cheerful. It was a period where the musicians thought they weren't getting their proper, but not respect, but appreciation. Yeah. Well, I know it's a little bit different. Well, you, can, you, can, you, can, you can respect a person and still appreciate it. You know, it's a little different. It's a big difference, a fine difference. And, uh, and so, he, 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 Brian was telling him to play some kind of a note. And, and, and James Chambers said, you mean like this? Brian said, no, no, no. That's not the so-and-so, so-and-so. He said, well, you want this one? And then Brian started talking and yelling out the note he wants. I want you to pay this over this, play this over this. And it, and it shot James because Jameson did not believe that any of the other uh, uh, producers could read uh, an idea about music. Not that they could read music, but Brian, for some reason, here is so immaculate, so gifted, so talented of a person. He can remember, he told him no. He told him the fatted something. I can't remember, because I hell, that's over my head. I don't know anything about anybody. And Jameson was so shocked, and it caused him to have a whole new respect for Brian. All new respect. I just see it on his face because he was surprised. Uh, I was surprised too, by the way. <laughs> but as my brother, so I, I was more more apt to, to feel surprised. But it's that type of thing. It's uh, you know that, that that's the biggest thing that I can remember. And I've watched Brian several times in the studio, and how he could call these all these musicians. You know, like he would have. Uh, we, we would use one guitar and we would stretch it sometimes. I had two guitars. And I remember Brian on one session, I don't know what it was called, three guitars. I said, I said, what in the hell can three guitar players do? How is he going to get on? And man, he would gel these things in such a way. I said, I don't know how the heck he's doing it. And nobody else did either. I mean, none of the other people that they were mesmerized because Brian could take all those instruments and have them working in unison. Yet doing different things and seeing a man, man it was amazing, amazing. So that 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 that's the biggest thing that you know, that I think about. Hey, um, you know, I want to mention that. Uh, well, I tell you what, I, Robert, I tell you one thing, Mister Mercedes. This is not as as devastating as the as interesting as what my brother was. Doing. But one one thing was that 
is that on where do I love go? Most a lot of people don't really want to realize that. That Diana Ross was singing that song Where Do I Love Go. And she was not in her best to move that day. I won't go through it. It's in the book. We, we wrote about it. But that's the only time she's ever had uh, any kind of friction with me at all. She's a lovely person. I respect her greatly. But she was in a mood. And uh, she's saying, Word I love you. And if you look at the expressions on her face, she would tell her expression and said, I don't want to be here. My brother, the engineer at that time, while she was singing, he looked up at me as if to say, I think he indicated, do you want me to stop? Mm -hmm. And I said, no, 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 no. Don't stop her. Don't stop her. Don't stop her. Let it go. Let it go. And so she went on and sang the song, sang the song. And after she got to the end, she said, well, is this what you want? I said, thank you. That's exactly what I want. And that's to take you here on a record. That's the one that you hear. She was this. She was. She was in a. She was in a whole other frame of mind. But you can never tell it. Just to go to show you what kind of voice that girl had. Such an angelic, sweet sound that the, that the emotion just come out of Africans. Now that's a unique thing. Most people don't have that. Few people have that. So anyway, that was that was a. That was out of my mind. Definitely have to think about that next time listening to it, you know. But uh, I'm sure it just added to the emotion and and the you know flavor and vibe that that track had and made it what it is. Basically, did because that's what I wanted anyway. That's the feeling that I wanted. I wanted a, a, a sultry kind of a you know sexual, sensuous kind of you know what I mean. You know, I just wanted that. But she had it in her voice naturally. Got a heck of it. She had a very unique sound of voice. She really does. Was there, anyone, song, huh? was there anyone in particular you worked with that was just sort of a real perfectionist and just always wanted to do another take or something like that? No. No, they never did a take that I got through with it. And I was known to keep them in the studio singing longer than they wanted to. So you you were a taskmaster? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I, I could listen to them to when they were too tired, when they, when they were holding back. I could listen to them very easily. But, you know, I had a habit of always wanting to rehearse them before. I didn't believe in using the studio time in rehearsal hard. didn't believe it. To me, it's a waste of money. I would, I would, I would take them out of the studio. I mean, not out of the studio, but I would go in the studio. I knew that they knew this as a rule. I would, I would try to make sure they, they knew this before they got it. They would make studio time waste. We don't want to waste. The only time I didn't do that, my dad was going to He had to come back for it. Maybe I need you love him. He can do it on the first. He first got there. He can do it. He can do it. But that, that's another thing. But I, I understood well how to do it. I, you know, I was good at that. I was my friend too. Because I enjoyed it. And I understood him. 
the book I understand is out on audio now also. So that's pretty nice. Uh, can listen to it as well as read it. And of course it's been behind you this whole time we've been talking. Um, so I want to encourage uh, people definitely check that out. And uh, the play is coming out um, next year. I uh, don't know what time, uh, what part of the year yet, but we'll, we'll keep an eye out for that. Be sure to uh, get the book at your uh, favorite book sources. And uh, again, it is Come and Get These Memories, a story of Holland Dozier. Holland, you don't want to miss it. And, uh, you know, especially those of us that are still kind of hanging out at home a lot. What a great way to pass the time is, is reading that incredible musical history and legacy that you guys have had. And it's so great that you've been able to document that legacy now forever. So uh, congratulations on it. And thank you so much for sharing your stories. It's been so much fun talking to you. Okay. Thank, thank you, Scott. Scott. Thank you. Have a great day. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Truth and Rhythm. A big thank you goes out to our guest as well as to you, the viewer and listener. Also much gratitude to Pleasure for supplying the show's funky opening and closing music. As a reminder, you can always access the complete list of linked shows by episode at funkinstuff.net. I urge you to support this program and receive the extra benefits along with that by subscribing to the Funk and Stuff channel on YouTube and sharing it with funk, R&B, and jazz lovers, joining Truth and Rhythm's membership program at Patreon, submitting a donation at funkandstuff.net, buying Everything is on the One, the first guide to funk book at Amazon, shopping at the Funky Things store for cool merchandise at funkandstuff.net, and linking through funkandstuff.net for all of your Amazon purchases. In addition, if you're an artist or anyone seeking proven, results-oriented, professional marketing, PR, writing, or editing consultation or production, check out the media services section at funkinstuff.net. Also, I encourage you to drop me a line at scottg at funkinstuff.net. I love the feedback, suggestions, guest requests, appearance and sponsorship inquiries, and just talking about my favorite subject, groove-based music. For now, and as always, this is Scott Dr. GX Goldfine saying, keep on keep vibing, on vibing to the rhythm of the one.